All right, folks, Giving Tuesday is officially here. Today is a day that you get to prayerfully consider your financial partnership of worthy causes. And I would love to share with you why I believe CCBR is such a worthy cause. Stay tuned. Hi, folks. Welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast, a show dedicated to equipping you with the tools that you need to have compassionate and compelling conversations about abortion so that together we can change minds, save lives, and transform our culture. My name is Cam. I'm your host. Um, Thank you for being along for the ride. Today is Giving Tuesday. Uh, I don't know how many of you have heard about Giving Tuesday before. Giving Tuesday is a sweet day. We're going to talk about it an awful lot with my colleague, Loretta, um, who is our fundraising coordinator for the organization CCBR that is the parent organization for CCBR. Um, Giving Tuesday is a real cool day that after the craziness of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all that kind of thing, it's an opportunity to kind of slow down and consider our priorities and consider um, the allocation of our our treasure um, and how it can benefit um, groups like CCBR, um, groups like us that are um, on street corners and on doorsteps, changing hearts, changing minds, saving lives, transforming our culture. I, I think that today is a really special day. I'm sure that some of you are tuning in not actually on the day of posting, which is Giving Tuesday, um, last Tuesday of November, what whatever today is. Um, but regardless of whether you're tuning in on Giving Tuesday or whether you are tuning in some other time, I would love for you to be a part of this conversation. I'm sure that you've probably received a lot of uh, donation requests and, and whatnot from a variety of organizations. And what goes through your mind when it comes to how are you going to allocate your your hard-earned money or the money that you have worked so diligently towards bringing in? Um, where does that money go? And, and how do you allocate that towards causes that you're passionate about? Um, well, that's what today's episode is all about and kind of a perspective of fundraising and how you can be part of the amazing work that uh, my colleagues and I, together with interns and volunteers across the country, are a part of day after day. And how you can be a contributor towards the incredible um, work that we're doing all the time. And so I, I can keep going on and on, but I, without further ado, I'm going to dive into the conversation that I had with um, Loretta Slump, our fundraising coordinator, um, on this, our Giving Tuesday campaign about fundraising and the role that you can play in sharing your treasure towards changing hearts and minds and saving lives. All right, folks, the one, the only, Loretta Slump, how you doing? I am doing well. Yourself? I am living the dream. I can hear you through the wall because our offices are right next door, but we figured this would give us a bit better <laughs> video and audio quality. Um, so this is great. Um, and this is cool to talk fundraising. Today is Giving Tuesday, time of publishing. Giving Tuesday is a big day for nonprofits around the world, especially ones like ours at CCBR, where we're um, always looking to grow as an organization. We're going to dive into that in just a moment here. Um, but I got to ask, so um, you are the fundraising coordinator for CCBR. You are the person who um, is is tasked by and large with, with supporting and connecting with supporters across the country. Um, I can only imagine little girl Loretta Slump growing up in Bassano, Alberta, just dreaming of the day that she gets to be <laughs> fundraising coordinator for um, an organization like CCBR. How did you find yourself in this kind of role? What, what does it look like? What is the journey of ending up as the fundraising coordinator for an organization like CCBR look like for you? Oh, it totally was not on my radar to do. <laughs> <laughs> I never actually had the most clear direction of this is what I want to be when I grow up. Uh, so it's kind of, I've been going along for the ride. So I've done a number of different uh, different things in my day. I've worked in banking. I've worked um, in 
waitressing. I've worked, and then most recently before working here, I worked in the optical industry. So I was working as an optician. So it's just totally different fields. I have education in entertainment management, which is more marketing, that kind of thing. And then as well in the optical field. And then like the first thing I did out of high school was I went to Bible college. So there's a little bit of theology in there, a little bit of technical skill, a whole variety of different things. So it's not necessarily something I thought I would do, but it's something that um, I felt clearly directed by God that this is where I should be at. And so I jumped in. Boom. And praise God for that, because you've been doing tremendous work in, in supporting the active donors, but also acquiring new supporters for CSPR. And that's where I want to dive into. I want to dive feet first into this. Let's get all the way into the pool, I suppose. And let's talk about the fundraising background, because obviously on this show and in general, there's a lot of focus given towards the outreach that we're doing, the um, connecting with people on street levels, the, the social media, whatever it may be. A lot of the focus is on the I don't even want to call it necessarily the front lines necessarily, but kind of the, the visible aspect of the work. And yet fundraising is a huge component of getting boots on the ground and getting projects into major communities and small communities across Canada. What, what is it about kind of the fundraising background process that um, whether it's intrigued you into being willing to accept the position, whether it was a challenge that you saw, what, what is it about fundraising and how it connects um, a different demographic of people at times towards the ministry that CSPR does? Um, maybe maybe what, what's your vantage point on the role that fundraising has in a movement like our own where we're, we're talking people on street corners and on doorsteps day after day? Right. So fundraising is essentially storytelling. And so we need to be able to share the stories of what's being done um, to invite people alongside to be able to allow that to happen even more. And so that's where it's not we're not here begging for money or like crying, oh, we need we need all your resources. We're we're broke, <laughs> that kind of thing. It's really this is the work we're doing. This is why we're doing it. These are the stories that we have and how our work is effective. And so it's being able to invite people alongside that to create even more stories, because each person who is donating to us is become part of that story. And they are allowing those boots to be on the ground. So without the supporters, like those who are financially supporting us, so we can't do the work that we're doing. And so really fundraising is all about being able to share those stories and invite people alongside. Absolutely. And and I think that obviously today, Day of Publishing is Giving Tuesday, a major day. We're going to talk a little bit about the role that Giving Tuesday plays in um in our kind of calendar year and, and how important of a day this is. But before we dive into that, I, I feel like there's probably some questions. And and in my mind, it it's somewhat intuitive and yet some people might question like what does this money go towards i an organization like ccbr which has a a growing budget year over year what what is the money actually doing and how much of the money actually translates into um the activism that that we're publishing in our newsletters and whatnot and, and while i don't know if you'd have a number off the top of your head like how do you communicate with supporters about the impact of their financial partnership and how this does really put boots on the ground in a way that a volunteer organization really would not be able to manage? Yeah, well, we really work on a really lean budget um, for an organization our size. So when we say like when our budget is increasing year over year, that's because we have more staff and more interns coming on. And there as well, 
fundraising for, towards their salaries to be able to do more work. Now that increases our overall budget of the projects that we do because we need more resources, more materials, more fuel, more taxes get paid, the more people we have on staff. So there's this whole other um, increased expense that comes with more staff. And that has actually, we've been managing with very little um, increase in that area. That's like, we've got faithful supporters who are coming on and we are like growing more people as we grow, but it's still, we are doing a huge amount with a small, very small budget for a nonprofit. Absolutely. I know Jonathan Van Maren and I have had several conversations and we're going to have another conversation coming up about a kind of a year in review to, to throw a couple of those numbers out there. Like I just to show the scope of what we're working on. Um, Time of recording, we have already witnessed over 11,000 hours of activism um, being done, man hours of activism being done across the country. Those are staff, intern, volunteer hours. Um, I'm sure that we're going to dive further in depth about our internship. And, and this is one of the biggest expenses, but also one of the most incredible projects that we run at CCBR um, that, that so many um, financial partners um, contribute towards the success of and and there's so much that we're doing. I mean, we're we're delivering hundreds of thousands of pieces of literature door to door. We are doing hundreds of street level um, outreach events at street corners and on doorsteps. So I'm going to ask you in a moment here, Loretta, just about kind of the the impact that you have witnessed as you're having meetings with financial partners when they hear about the the outreach. I I, I think personally of a few interactions that I've had with some supporters that as I share with them about the outreach that we're doing. Um, at, at times, I, I can see them physically shivering about how thankful they are that they are able to partner in a capacity that doesn't necessarily involve them needing to be out on a street corner or a doorstep. Obviously, some of our supporters are also volunteers, but how I uh, one couple in particular comes to mind who um, are, are shaken every time we share with them stories of what our um, outreach teams are participating. I mean, um, this past week, we had counter protesters at Mount Royal University, one of whom decided that a effective way of censoring our message would be to take off her coat and her shirt, actually, um, to cover up a sign that one of our volunteers was holding. I was wondering if there's any kind of stories or anything that, that you could share about meetings that you've had with financial partners across the country and, and the blessing that you have being able to share the work that CSPR is doing, the mind-changing, life-saving work, and how that impacts and resonates with the supporters that you get to work with. Yeah, it's, it's a variety. Some of them have been on the street and have volunteered with us before or done internships. And so some of those people have become donors of, as they've moved on with their lives. So some of them are very aware of the work that we're doing and the projects that we're doing. Others are a little bit less hands-on. I know that I've recently met with a few supporters who have actually been donating to us for years, so like the beginning of CCBR. And they've, they've met us first at a campus project. They saw our projects then, but all these years later, they've continued to faithfully support us on a regular basis, but they actually don't realize that we've expanded and that we've reached. I met with a supporter who's in Ontario and they had originally met the team in Calgary, had no idea that we had grown so much in our Ontario offices. And so that's partially like 
our fault for not checking to maybe sure make sure that indeed she is receiving our newsletters and they're not going to bulk mail um that kind of thing um but it's it's a testament that that somebody was impacted by it but then when we were able to share with her more about ccbr and our strategy and she had since been married and so her husband was there and this was all new information to him and so it's amazing to hear that we have supporters who actually don't know the full scope and growth of what we're doing and the impact that we're doing. So that that's one example of a moving. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I have so much respect for, for you and to Micah Rosendahl, um, who puts together our newsletter um, and how difficult it must be to be able to encapsulate all of the stuff that we're doing um, year over year that like oh. there is so much happening. And, and I've joked on the podcast about how one of the hardest parts of my job and jobs in the outreach department is to get testimonies recorded because they become somewhat of a, a regular occurrence, maybe, maybe even not a standout occurrence when, when we're blessed to witness day after day after day, witnessing people change their mind on abortion. It can be difficult to remember just how special that is for supporters, people who are partnering with our work. But I'm, I'm sure that in some ways as well for yourself and Micah, to be able to announce another successful crash course hosted in this location or to announce this kind of thing. There's so many different things that CSPR is doing. How do you even kind of approach what do people need to hear? What do people want to hear when it comes to how their, their hard earned funds are being allocated towards the changing of hearts and minds? Yeah. Like our storytelling is a little bit different than a lot of nonprofit organizations out there. Um, so, just about all of us are familiar with organizations that are are serving the poor in third world countries and so they'll share pictures of the malnourished and then they'll share they'll share pictures and videos of smiling children as they're eating a bowl of food as they're enjoying school that kind of thing and then we have like other organizations that are serving the homeless population or those in addictions recovery and we hear stories of people who have come out of that or been seen some restoration and they share their story. It's a little bit different of a story that we can tell in the pro-life movement because it's the sensitive nature of abortion is, is very hard. So we'll have a mother who has changed her mind and has decided not to abort, but she's not going to want to come on camera and say, I almost killed my child. That's, that's a difficult story to tell. And then we also have those that we know the baby was saved, but they, um, one example, like, the child was put up for adoption. And so we can't share photos of that child because of the privacy of that for that family and the story that they're living through that difficult circumstance. So the stories that we have are, are, are different than what we might see in many other nonprofit organizations. Um, so like you'll hear and see on our social media channels and um, in our newsletters, the stories that we tell are, I spoke to a person and this is, what changed their mind. And so sometimes I think that's a little bit hard for us to convey what transformation is actually involved in there. It'd be lovely to have each and every one of you join us on the street and actually see people's eyes open up as they're like, I've never thought about that. And so it's a, it's a little bit of a challenge to try to translate that, that reaction um, for supporters to see what they're donations are actually enabling each of those conversations, each and every single time we're out, as you well know, you're in the activism department, so each and every time we're out on the active, doing activism projects, people's minds shift and people open their eyes to what abortion actually is. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and it's cool to, to witness that, like you said, to have somebody I, I've shared on the, on the podcast a number of times before of um, a fellow that I talked to in Winnipeg years ago who, who told me, you know what, he was pro-life and he had given up on the pro-life movement. He'd been actively involved for well over a decade from the late 80s until the late 90s, early 2000s. And he had just given up on the pro-life movement because he didn't see any shift. And I, I asked him, like, hey, can you just stick around and, and see the change we're, we're blessed to witness? And he was willing to do so. And the next two people that I talked to was, was a, a young couple who supported abortion. They came to change their mind on abortion. And he ended up giving me a huge hug. He gave them a huge hug, being like, you have restored my faith in the pro-life movement. There's a lot of people who fight diligently and faithfully for preborn children and, and yet are not blessed to witness the the fruits of their effort. And and we at CSPR are, are uniquely blessed that we might not have necessarily the same kind of grandiose um, victories that a political arm might have of uh, the, the overturning of Roe versus Wade or something like that. And yet we are blessed to witness in many ways countless more small victories of changed hearts and minds um, um, stories of people who told us that they canceled their abortion um, appointment because of coming in contact with our team, seeing the images that we bear and also the conversations that we have with people. And so, and it's cool. I, I'm curious as well. I'm going to ask you in a moment about kind of the response of, of growing partnership. I, I know that when I was fundraising way back when and in presentations that I've given through the years, there's people who initially have some degree of apprehension, I suppose, when it comes to the the efficacy of the work that CCBR is doing. You know what, like, this sounds great in principle or in theory, and yet I, I don't want to commit wholeheartedly because I want to see the proof in the pudding. I want to I make sure that this is a worthy um, recipient of my hard-earned money. And I know that, especially when I was first coming on staff over 10 years ago, a lot of this was somewhat theoretical. The launching of the End the Killing Plan um, was somewhat theoretical, looking at historical social reform movements and early indicators from the pro-life movement. And yet, here we are 10 years in, we've got such a vast array of results, statistical results, polling results. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll be talking with Jonathan about the polling across Canada, the Ipsos poll that, that showed that we've had over a 10% increase nationwide of people willing to identify as fully pro-life. And I wonder um, if you have witnessed that as well. Of, I mean, you've sh- shared a couple of stories of people who... Um, have been faithful supporters of CSPR for a long time? Are there um, cases that come to mind of people that might have started at a relatively conservative, if I dare use the word, um, amount of giving and yet having witnessed the results that we produce year over year, month over month, day after day, um, are so inspired that they do actually increase their giving as time goes on? Yeah, it's quite common for somebody to give a small amount like during one of our campaigns or donate to an intern because they know the intern, that kind of thing where they they kind of dip their toes in, but they're not fully committed. And um, I may not always know exactly why people are donating more. Um, I try to reach out as much as possible to supporters to dig in a little bit further on it. Um, but seeing somebody donating $50 this year, then the next year they donate hundred bucks twice that year. And then all of a sudden they start doing a monthly pledge. And that's a testament to the efficacy of our, our work. Um, we also hear people who are like, well, I was supporting this organization, but I'm not actually seeing no results from them. And so I want to transfer and start donating more 
to you guys than what I was before. And so this is somebody who was already donating before, but they're wanting to be intentional about where their finances are going to because they want to actually see it make an impact. Um, so yeah, so there's different levels of commitment that people have, but often we do see that where somebody, once they start to see the results, it kind of drives the wheels and gets the churning more. Yeah, and, and that's one of the beautiful things, as I kind of alluded to, that that both you and Micah and Nick and Jonathan and everyone else involved in this fundraising process are able to do, that it's not just a steady stream of requests. Hey, the, the lights are going off. We, we, we need more money to, to keep the lights on and, and keep fuel in our vehicles and that kind of thing. But there are asks, there are asks like today, Giving Tuesday, about internships, about this project, about that project, about new staff coming on, that kind of thing. And yet... All the more often there are results getting shared of this is what your money has gone towards. This is what your financial partnership, this is what your sacrifice has been a part of accomplishing. And and maybe let's speak to um, how people can donate. I mean, today's Giving Tuesday, and yet uh, I'm sure there'll be many people who are listening to this episode not actually on the day of Giving Tuesday. Uh, there's a lot of people that listen to episodes on, on day of, and, and we'll definitely have a link to our Giving Tuesday page. But what are the different ways that people can donate? I, I, I'm Obviously, we can think of one-time donations and monthly donations, but maybe maybe share a little bit about the different ways that groups, um, individuals, companies, others can donate so that they can be part of this amazing mission. Right. Yeah, we have different programs set up. So we have um, we do have a business program set up. So if you're your business and you'd like to donate through that, um, we do have a advertising program that we have set up to be able to um, facilitate that a bit more. So you can certainly contact us more about that. Um, and of course, regular giving channels, um, our monthly donations are really what we rely on to be able to create our budget throughout the year. Um, because we need consistency to know what to expect and what we can plan for. Um, so that's that's huge. But there are other ways, too, that people can um, can support us. We have peer-to-peer um, -peer campaigns. So most people are familiar with, they see things come through their social media feeds, or even my niece is selling cheese for school. <laughs> and so she's she's got this, this form, and she calls me up, and she asks me if I will buy some cheese from her, and that goes towards her school projects. So there's projects like that, but you also see things like, hey, donate to this animal shelter. Um, for my birthday, I'm trying to raise $500. That kind of thing. Those are peer-to-peer -peer campaigns. And we, um, this is a way that you can donate through your networks. And so we're not like relying on you to come up with everything. You're like, hey, you know what? I know people who can support this. I can maybe pitch in a, some to get it started and that kind of thing, and then invite your friends and family to help you reach that goal that you've set. Um, and so that is an excellent way that you can um, kind of jump in and be more involved, donate a little bit of your time, and encourage others to get more involved, expand the network, um, the pro-life network. Um, then there's Sorry, you were going to say? I was going to say, and that expansion is so important, right? I, I mm -hmm. think often of, of one of my supporters who, um, when, when I was approaching them for financial partnership, they said, you know what, like we're, we're growing family right now, young family career transition, like we're not in a, a very strong capacity. I really wish that we could donate more. And I just asked the fellow, like, how much do you wish that you could donate? And he said, well, if I could, I would love to donate $500 a month, but I'm just not able to. And so I asked him if he'd be willing to invite some of his friends and family to hear about the work that we're doing so that together, 
my network could grow through his network. And through that, he facilitated the, the acquiring of around $500 a month. And so, yes, that didn't all come from his bank account. And yet, if you're passionate about this cause and you're, you're sacrificially giving already and you want to be able to grow um, how much you can contribute to be able to take on one of these peer-to-peer campaigns and, and say, I'm, I'm going to bring this message to people in my community, my friends, my family, my social media network, that kind of thing, like you said, to try to get others tied in. That, that's a great way that people can get involved. Right. And that, that leads into another option, which is actually quite similar, but a little bit more for those who don't want to be using the technology to, uh, to maybe rally their, their friends and family, but coffee parties. Um, we would love to join you at your home and you can invite like a handful of pro-life friends of yours to come over, invite us. We will share with you more about what CCBR is what we're doing, our strategy, and and connect on that level um, with your network, and then invite them to partner with us. So it's another way of introducing us to your neighbors. This is something that we've been doing for for years, and is actually referrals is probably the biggest way, or I would say is the biggest way that we grow new donor bases. And so if we don't have your support to introduce, like to be able to be introduced to these new people. It makes us so much harder to connect with more people. And so, yeah, doesn't need to be anything big or fancy. Set out some cookies and some coffee and invite us over and we'd love to to touch base. Absolutely, and, and it's amazing how, how um, quickly this builds, right? I, I mean, it, it's daunting to think about goals and targets. I mean, our, our target today for um, Giving Tuesday is, is tens of thousands of dollars. And that might seem daunting to a lot of people. And yet, in many ways, when we consider um, a coffee party like that, and you say, okay, we get three or four other couples together, and everyone contributes what they're able to, that might translate into several hundred dollars a month. Several hundred dollars a month translates into thousands of dollars every year. And and coffee party after coffee party, this, this is built slowly, but if we're all pulling in the same direction, it's amazing how quickly this can grow and how manageably this can grow. This isn't dependent on a small number of people donating hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, if you have hundreds of thousands of dollars, Lord, I'm sure that um, you're not going <laughs> to say no to it. Um, and yet uh, our, our colleague Yvonne was sharing some numbers at our recent staff retreat about how the majority of our supporters are donating less than $200 a month. The majority of our supporters are um, people like you and I who work regular jobs and are dedicating um, at times sacrificially in ways to contribute um, small or large amounts. Um, but it never seems as large as they want it to be. And yet that's what this army is for. This is what donor acquisition is all about, trying to get as many people as possible all pulling in the same direction. Right. We have supporters who donate $10 a month. And so it's it's not huge amounts, but when it all adds up, it rallies together. And we have some donors who donate $500 a month. Um, but we have a lot that donate in like the $50 a month, $100 a month, that kind of range. So it's not limited to, oh, I can just donate $10 a month. Is that enough? Is that just drop in the bucket? It's without each drop in the bucket, we're not getting anywhere. <laughs> 
Absolutely. And, and not only is there great beauty in um, the, the opportunities that are out there and, and how many people, but there's a huge urgency as well, right? That, that every year, the staff retreat that we just participated in, there's new ideas getting bounced around. There's new opportunities. There's travel opportunities. There are organizations that want us to come and mentor them. I know that I'm, I'm working on getting Jeff Owen, our colleague on here to talk a little bit about the community groups that he's working with. And I, I guess, again, from, from your perspective, how exciting is it for, um, for you to be able to go into um, donor meetings and presentations and writing the newsletter and sharing via email and, and written correspondence to be able to share about exciting updates that are happening year over year and being able to share about something that has never happened before, whether it's a, a Winnipeg high school boot camp, whether it's a, a Calgary return internship, whether it's a tour across Canada, that's got to be pretty exciting on your end as well, Loretta. Yes, we have so much news to share and it feels like so little time to share it sometimes. Mm. Right now we've been sending out our um, newsletter, which is just a couple, once every couple months. Um, so we're actually looking to increase that a little bit to be able to send some more communications, not to spam you, but to be able to share in the excitement that we have. Because we have more news that happens that's more, whether it be more time sensitive or we just want to like, get the news out there than waiting for the next newsletter cycle to happen. We just uh, sent out our newest newsletter. Um, it just went out via email and then it's being sent to print now. So if you haven't received that, um, you should receive that by the time of Giving Tuesday. Um, and then we'll be writing the next one. But there's just, there's even news that I'm like, oh, we haven't shared about this trip where we've got some of the team who is helping in the States. We have Quayana who just did a trip as well, where she's helping train more pro-lifers. And so there's so much news and stuff. And so sometimes it's hard to, to fit everything in. Um, but it is exciting to see the growth that we have and the, the skills that um, our team is developing and being able to impart on other volunteers. Absolutely. And what a good problem to have. Too much too much good news to go around. It's yes. a good problem to have. Um, and so as, as we start to draw this together, Loretta, I'm sure there's a few things that I'm missing that, that you can absolutely jump in on. But when it comes to how people can donate, I'm sure that's a, a fairly intuitive question on your end because you deal with this day in and day out. But, but how can people um, financially partner in varying capacities with our organization? Yeah, so we have our most of our information is just right on our website. So that's the easiest to direct you to and the killing ca slash donate that's going to have like our address if you want to send in a physical check a link that you can donate right there online you can donate through e-transfers or automatic debit there's a number of different ways there we also do have um, a legacy giving program so something where you can um, build this into your your will into a way that you can leave a lasting impression even even after you're gone. And so that's a great way that you can kind of look forward to how you can leave a legacy in this in this world behind you. And so that's something that I would love to connect with you more on. You can reach out on the website there as, as well. And then, um, like we were talking earlier, to be able to introduce us to more people um, through peer-to-peer -peer campaigns or other programs. So those are kind of other ways that you can give, um, but our primary ways are right there on the website. So do hop on there. We've got a contact form that goes to, there's just a couple of us who manage the general emails. So I'm going to see that pretty quickly and can uh, respond to you. Uh, more details there. I'll throw all those links in the show notes. Last one I want to throw your way before anything that I've missed. Giving Tuesday. 
Talk to me about Giving Tuesday, why Giving Tuesday is a thing, the way that it should fit into people's kind of giving plans and whatnot, and, and why this is an important day to be prayerfully considering financial partnership with groups like ours. Yeah. So um, many people are aware, but not everybody is, that Giving Tuesday is it's a organization it's kind of it's a more of a global movement, um, and so in their words, Giving Tuesday is a global movement that unleashes the power of radical generosity around the world, and so it's something that's done by a lot of nonprofits. It was started back in 2012. They follow the American Thanksgiving, so you got American Thanksgiving, then you got Black Friday, then comes Cyber Monday. So now everybody's done all sorts of spending, and they've decided to tack on Giving Tuesday into that. So a time to, you've, you've done a whole bunch of spending, now let's give back. Maybe it should be reversed. Probably that could be, <laughs> could be a good idea <laughs> to reverse that. But um, so they put Giving Tuesday there. So it is something that a lot of um, nonprofits do each year. And with that, um, we could we could set up a program any time of year. Well, it'd be warmer than doing uh, <laughs> activism projects and activism blitz on a cold November day. I'm not quite sure um, what the forecast is at this moment across uh, the country, but it's usually pretty chilly at this time. Last year, we had uh, some some pretty decent weather considering that it was November. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a day that people are typically considering donating because it's um, kind of a global thing that was started. And in that we want to show that although there are many different worthy causes to donate to, we want to invite you to join us to see like actually what our projects are doing. And so with our Giving Pro Tuesday project last year, we invited you onto the streets with us through live stream events. We did an activism blitz where our goal was to reach 50,000 views of our projects and raise $50,000. So we had all of our offices in full swing doing activism all throughout the day. And then we went live on every hour to the streets to show show our projects in progress to give you live testimonies um, right after they happen. So everything was fresh. It's the best way that we could think of to get you on the streets with us without having to physically drive down to one of our cities and be there with us. Although we'd love you to do that as well. <laughs> um, and we're going to do the same thing again this year. Um, it was a great opportunity to be able to bring you right alongside of us um, to show you the efficacy of our work, um, to be able to see that your finances in action right there. And so that's what um, we want to show you is that we are um, doing everything we can to stretch your dollar, to be able to be effective with the money that you donate um, and want to invite you to partner with us as we have the boots on the ground and we need you to um, we need those to stand with us and to support us so that's what we are doing with giving tuesday beautiful so head over to the link it'll be in the show notes below shout out as well i mean it it is insane to think about okay so a, a massive day of activism across all of our offices we're going to achieve over fifty thousand views lord willing of abortion victim photography and then to put that in context with what we've already done this year, right? I mean, in, in some ways, like, oh, this is the pinnacle of the year. This is, we're getting all hands on deck, 50,000 views. And then that's going to count for less than like 2% 
of our views for the entire year. And, and that speaks volumes to the work of our interns and our volunteer and our staff across the country. And so definitely check out Giving Tuesday. Loretta, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot. Um, I know that there's, um, there's a lot of agencies, organizations out there that receive donations. I know that um, there, there's one that um, my in-laws in particular are very passionate about with regards to um, foreign, foreign po- um, poverty and, and that kind of thing where you can like buy a goat for a, a, a village and like that is your christmas gift towards that entity of like or or there'll be there'll be weddings that i've been to where um in lieu of flowers there'll be a little card on the table that says in lieu of flowers the bride and groom have made a donation of 500 dollars towards um this organization they're both very passionate about or something like that i wonder if there's a way and and um, I, I apologize if I'm putting you on the spot. If, if somebody wanted to say, you know what, I've been through Black Friday, I've been through um, Cyber Monday, I'm just having a hard time getting something for my mom or for my dad or for my sister who's passionate about the pro-life movement. If they were to make a donation to CCBR on behalf of that loved one, whether it's 10 bucks, whether it's 100 bucks, whether it's 100 bucks a month, something like that, is there something in theory that we could send them that they could put in a stocking or or in a card to their tree of um a, a generous donation was made on your behalf towards changing hearts and minds on the issue of abortion is that something that that we might be able to put together what do you think yeah we've we've debated this over the years on what what tangible things we could put there and the tangible things that we could put actual dollar values to are things like our postcards our brochures our truck fuel the new vans that we buy for the internship and by new vans i mean old vans <laughs> That needs some minor work, but we can, uh, which worked really well for our internships. So we do that pretty modestly. Um, but those are the things that um, that we can sp- attach physical specific dollars to that are specifically related to our projects. You don't want to hear about things like we need a computer for our, our new staff member, although those things are are new. But the things like our trucks, we just I was just processing some. Um, some finances that came in today, and there was um, one regarding uh, one of our trucks. And so it's $400 in fuel. And so like something like that is that truck is going to drive around and show the reality of abortion. We have testimonies of people who have scheduled abortions, and they end up behind the truck and being like, oh, wait, that's what I'm scheduled to do. I can't do that. And so things like that are the tangibles. That doesn't translate into a goat that's going to feed a family, <laughs> but there are materials that are getting in front of people. And we know that people's minds, we hear testimony after testimony of people seeing our projects or having conversations with us. So Exactly. So Alex, I'm sorry, we're not getting you a goat for Christmas. Um, Alex, <laughs> one of our coworkers, we're, we're, um, nobody's going to donate a goat to go to Alex. And certainly nobody's going to donate a goat to go to Blaze because I don't know if Blaze would appreciate a goat very much. Um, however, I, I transgress. I'm going to go out here on a limb and I'm going to say that anybody who makes a donation on behalf of somebody else, say I'd like to make a hundred dollar donation um, on behalf of my mom or whatever, I will personally write you a thank you card that you can deliver um, to that person in gratitude of of their sacrifice um and so if you want to do that um hit up loretta i'll put her um contact in the email uh, in the show notes as well i'll put my contact info in there um and so if you go on our giving tuesday page today um, I might even extend it a few days for those who are tuning in, not actually on the Giving Tuesday. And if you make a donation with a comment saying, I'm making this donation on behalf of somebody else, um, 
for for a Christmas gift. I will write up a card for you and shoot it your direction. Thank you so much, Loretta, for taking the time. Is there anything I'm missing? Is there anything else that we should talk about within the the world of financial partnership and putting boots on the ground um, that I'm missing that, that we should be covering? Or is this mostly cover it? I think we've got a good coverage here. There's more we could go on about the various testimonies that we've heard over the years, but um, you'll have to stay tuned to our newsletters and our, our social media stories. And we'd love to share more with you on those. And yeah, reach out if you'd like to, if you know some people that we can connect with and Beautiful. let's host a party. Beautiful. Let's host a party. Um, I am always up for, for being part of a party. So um, thank you, Tom Loretta, for taking the time, for sharing about the work that you're doing and for all the behind the scenes stuff that you do. Um, I know that at times it it might be um, discouraging and and that kind of thing, not being able to, to be out on, on the street corners and on doorsteps with us. But we can't thank you enough for all the work that you're doing behind the scenes. And thanks a ton for the time on the show. Thank you so much, Cam. All right, folks. That was my conversation with Loretta Slomp, our fundraising coordinator at CCBR. I hope that you are inspired to prayerfully consider financially partnering um, in a sacrificial way with CCBR so that your money can go towards changing hearts and minds. I, I think there's a lot of different things that get thrown around when it comes to the world of fundraising. The number of times I've heard people talk about um, sacrificing a cup of coffee a day or doing this or doing that. Uh, there's a lot of those. I'm not going to go into the cliche ones. I'm going to share a couple of ideas that have gone through my mind that I know that have been shared with me that have resonated with people um, who have financially partnered with the organization and how there's a lot of people who wish that they were able to do what I'm able to do um, in full-time pro-life work, who wish that they could do what Loretta is doing full-time um, in changing hearts and minds on the issue of abortion. And yet, maybe it's not where their skill set is. Maybe they're geographically separated. Maybe they've got other factors that are contributing towards limiting um, the work that they're doing. How do they get built in? Well, you can work for the pro-life movement um, and you can work for the pro-life movement by doing stuff that isn't necessarily pro-life per se. If you were to allocate an hour's wage or a couple hours wage, the first hour and last hour of your month towards saving babies, allocate that money through a donation towards CCBR then the first and last hour of your month, you could prayerfully consider as you're working, whether you're working trades, whether you're working in academia, whatever you're doing, um, working wise, you can consider that the first hour of your day is allocated towards saving babies. And that while you might be fixing somebody's pipes, while you might be teaching kids about social studies, while you might be doing any number of things, that that hour, that multiple, those multiple hours could be directed towards um, getting boots on the ground, street corner doorsteps across our country. And so that's one way to think about it. The other way that I proposed it to a group in North Vancouver that I was talking with um, over the summer on, on our Faces of Abortion tour was that what is it that we put our money towards? What do we pay people to do ultimately? And so often we pay people to do things that first of all need to get done that we are either unwilling or unable to do ourselves, right? I mean, we, we pay people to rewire our house because we understand that we have to wire our house safely um, and in a way that isn't going to burn down our house. And if you're not capable, if you're not a, an electrician with the capacity to do it, or maybe if you are an electrician, but you just don't have the time to be able to do it, you know that it needs to get done. Therefore, you're going to pay somebody to rewire your house. If you know that um, your car needs to get fixed, if you know that something needs to happen and you're either unable to do it yourself because of your skill set or other limitations or unwilling to do it yourself for a variety of different reasons, you pay other people to do um, that work because you appreciate the value of it. And I think that goes towards nonprofit as well, um, in that I hope that each and every one of you appreciate the need that is there 
for changing hearts and minds on abortion. I hope that through this episode and, and through other episodes, you've appreciated the, um, how important pro-life work is. And then it needs to happen, that hearts and minds need to change it. And that by changing hearts and minds, not only do we protect babies from abortion because their mothers and fathers will not choose abortion themselves, but also we are building the grassroots that go towards um, funding and mobilizing our pregnancy care centers. We are sending people towards pregnancy care centers because they know that abortion is not going to solve the problems that they might be facing, that they need better solutions to the challenges that they face. We build that grassroots support for politicians. We build um, the, the army of people that are going to bring about change institutionally, politically, socially in our country. And that's happening, right? I alluded to that Ipsos poll that, that Jonathan has spoken about significantly, about how 10 years ago, there was less than 15% of people, I believe the exact number was 11% of Canadians polled were willing to um, say that they were fully against abortion in all circumstances. And that has shifted to well over 20% in the last 10 years in the 2022 poll that was conducted. And that flies in the face of what we are seeing in basically every single other Western country around the world, that nearly every single Western European country and others like them are actually hurtling towards greater support of abortion. And Canada's going the opposite direction. What is the difference? Well, the End the Killing Plan has been rolled out and there have been millions and millions of touch points across the country with tens of thousands of conversations. And in a lot of ways, that's one of the largest differences between Canada and other nations around the world. And while um, I'm not going to say that CSPR deserves all of the credit for that, I know that um, the incredible um, sacrifices that our staff, our volunteers, our interns are, have been making contribute significantly towards that difference between Canada and many other nations. And so change is happening and change in many ways continues with you. Conti change has already started, that we don't need you to start the change. We need you to continue the change. We need you to be a part of making the change next year in new communities across Canada, engaging new church congregations, um, hiring new interns and facilitating new programming across the country so that more and more people are equipped with these tools. And so please please, please, please do go to um, endlinkkilling.ca slash donate. You can check out the, the Giving Tuesday specific link. Hey, if you are so inspired, you can go to our Patreon support and donate directly to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. And that, that um, those finances will go towards putting boots on the ground um, and allocating more and more time towards programming like this, equipping people with the tools that they need to have these conversations. And so um, the pro-life movement does not grow without the financial partnership of people like you and those in your community. And so I, I desperately and urgently ask you to prayerfully consider how you can contribute to producing even more results by God's blessing um, in this coming calendar year. So thanks a ton and may God bless you abundantly wherever you're at, however many hours are left in your day.